any of us who try to eat more fish, in addition to being you know, something that we enjoy to eat and to broaden our portfolio of proteins to give ourselves more choice and variety in our diets, there's also the fact that fish provides certain healthy fats and nutrients that are difficult to find elsewhere, so it becomes a good part of a healthy diet. The challenge begins when we consider which fish we should eat, which we should avoid. You know, there are environmental and social issues related to seafood production and consumption that complicate what was once a very simple dietary choice. So in an effort to get some insight into what we can do differently, what fish we should be eating, what fish we shouldn't be eating, how we can tell the difference, getting a better understanding of the system of fish production and how it gets to our retail store, to our restaurant plate, and eventually to our, to our kitchens. I couldn't think of anyone better to talk to than Ned Bell, who is a longtime sustainable seafood ambassador and is the ocean-wise executive chef based at the Vancouver Aquarium. He calls his cooking globally inspired and locally created. He's passionate about encouraging diverse local diets, which of course involves seafood, particularly when you're based in Vancouver. But, you know, we can enjoy a, a range of good seafoods, even in parts of the country or parts of the world where we can't see the body of water from which it was harvested. In this episode, he encourages us to think more about what we eat, why we eat, what we eat, and uh, I very much enjoyed the conversation and I expect that you will too. My guest today is uh, Ned Bell, who is the executive chef with Ocean Wise in Vancouver and also the founder of Chefs for Oceans. And I thought, given my conversations with Ned in the past, there was no one better to talk about issues of fish and understanding which fish we should be eating, which fish we shouldn't be eating, and how we can tell the difference. So, Ned, welcome and thanks for taking the time. Uh, good day. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Ned... I think, you know, in the context of the broader food discussion, many of us are hearing we should be eating less red meat for both health and environmental reasons. And I know in my household, as in probably many others, we're moving to a larger consumption of fish. We're eating fish with more meals. And one of the things we worry about, and I think lots of people worry about, is should we be eating more fish? Gosh, you know, you start with the big questions right off the bat, my friend. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> you know, the conversation around protein is a broad one. You know, whether that is plant protein, whether that is animal protein that that is raised for our consumption, you know, chickens, pigs, beef, seafood, you know, fin fish, aquaculture. Um, and then, of course, you know, there is the wild seafood conversation. You know, we... We still get to eat wild fish. Mother Nature still gives us this wild food, and it's one of the last wild foods that we consume, uh, you know, from an animal point of view. Most of us don't eat wild animals other than fish. And so, you know, from my perspective, I think the numbers are about 14 pounds of fish consumed annually by North American compared with about 44 pounds of French fries. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, there's a skew there. I'm not exactly sure of the of the animal uh, of the other animal uh, protein consumption numbers, but you know, from a seafood point of view, I want to see us eating more nutrient dense, plant based ingredients with sustainable seafood as the garnish. You know, that increases our consumption of the things that we are being told we should be eating more of, which is, you know 
green leafy vegetables and nuts and seeds and legumes, pulses, etc. You know, and then and then looking at sustainable seafood as a high quality protein, but maybe not in portion size, just in uh, frequency. You know, I still love a roast chicken on Sunday nights. I still love a great steak, but maybe you know, maybe we were consuming a bit too much of those things. You know, maybe we just need to mix it up. What you know, what we would call a menu mix uh, in the restaurant business. You know, we need to we need to diversify our diet. The what, the where, the how, the when, etc. As some people move from sort of farmed livestock to fish, are we putting our ability to eat fish at risk in the long term? Well, certainly, overfishing and climate change are two of the largest threats that are facing our world's oceans. Five oceans, seven seas. I really think of it as one ocean. We uh, every second breath we take comes from the ocean. Arguably, everything we grow on land needs a healthy ocean to thrive, so that we can continue to rely on the weather systems that enable us to grow food, whether that's animals or plants, whether that's food from from Europe or or Asia or South America that we import into into North America. 80% of the seafood that we consume in North America is imported. You know, a similar number of seafood that we harvest in North America is exported. And so I think your question is, are the oceans at risk? The answer is yes. Is, you know, is overfishing a challenge that we need to tackle head on? Absolutely. I mean, arguably, two billion people rely on the world's oceans for their daily source of protein. How are we going to continue to be able to have reliable, consistent access to that protein for the citizens that live close to the coastlines of this planet and need that seafood daily, A, for commerce and B, for consumption. The numbers are shocking. They're they're scary. You know, certain species are at at significant risk. Other species are healthy. Uh, Illegal, uh, unregulated, unreported seafood globally is a real problem. We need to tackle what we call IUU, seafood issues. Um, You know, the social conversation around humans in the seafood space, you know, we need to tackle those conversations. We've all heard of slave trade in the shrimp fisheries, etc. It's not exclusive to the shrimp fisheries. Gosh, it's broad. I mean, the ocean covers two-thirds of the planet, so, you know, it's it's a massive conversation. I would argue it's the largest conversation we face right now. And for the last number of decades, we haven't paid much attention. We just continue to sort of consume. We expect access to inexpensive, and yeah, yeah, yeah. here we are in trouble. Okay, so let's parse some of those issues a little bit, if we could. The first one is, and, and maybe this is a philosophical question more than anything else, and you can defer if you choose. Now, you're on the coastline, you, you're you based in Vancouver, but here in Guelph, I'm a bit of a landlubber. Georgian Bay is not far away, Lake Erie is not far away, and there are fisheries there. But should those of us who are inland and not as dependent on seafood be eating seafood at all and jeopardizing the protein source for those that depend on it? Well, I mean, I would absolutely say... You know, my, my simple answer is yes, I want you to consume more seafood. I want you to support, you know, the local 
food conversations that exist in and around Guelph or Southern Ontario. You know, the breadbasket of that extraordinary place. You know, we do have access to great lake fisheries, although maybe not as as prominent as they once were. Certainly accessibility is one of the largest challenges we face in Canada when it comes to certain seafoods. Should you be eating wild salmon in Ontario? I would say absolutely, but I also want you to think about your consumption of wild salmon in Ontario and maybe challenge yourself to consume just as much fish from Ontario as you are consuming seafood from either coast or or either of the three coasts in this country. You know, if you're eating Atlantic cod and you're eating wild Pacific salmon and you're eating, you know, maybe some wild Arctic char from up north, have a gentle conversation with yourself and say, hey, I wonder I wonder if I can access some whitefish or some pickerel or some, you know, some of the other extraordinary species that swim in our lakes and, uh, and rivers across this country. You know, I want to support fishermen. I want to support farmers. 7,000 fishermen here on the West Coast. You know, there's also 7,000 people that work in the aquaculture space here in British Columbia. So it's broad. Yep. Arguably, the birth of our nation is on the backs of the seafood industry. Why did people come here to the East Coast of this country hundreds of years ago? Because of the abundance of this extraordinary species, the Atlantic cod, and then that fish was taken all over the world and celebrated to this day in Portugal and Spain and Jamaica and all over the place. You know, but we took too much of it. Uh, we didn't manage it properly, and we impacted you know, tens of thousands of Canadians, you know, in and around the East Coast. I mean, I come from six generations of fishermen from here in Newfoundland, and my family, you know, eventually sort of headed west, you know. Grandfather was born in Saskatoon, mother was born in Winnipeg, I was born in Penticton, and here I am living in Vancouver. So, you know, I'm not saying we we followed, you know, any other train, per se, than, than opportunity, but certainly the seafood industry has gone through a really uh, significant identity crisis over the last few decades, uh, specifically on the East Coast. I know exactly what you mean with respect to the Atlantic cod. I was in Newfoundland for work the day John Crosby closed the North Atlantic cod fishery uh, many years ago, and, and I remember the looks on people's faces and the shock that people had. It was so sort of core to the economy in Newfoundland that it it was and, and remains a big deal. I'm going to get to aquaculture in a second, but how does someone like me, you, you said someone like me should be more conscious of the fish I'm eating, you know, thinking about how much wild salmon I'm eating. Pickerel is one of my favorite fish, having grown up in Manitoba, and I look for it regularly. How do consumers know what's a sustainable fish and what's not? Well, you know, I, first of all, I guess you would have to uh, come to grips with what your own personal uh, description of what sustainability might be. You know, is it sustainability to a species or an ecosystem? Is that inclusive of of a fisherman's livelihood? I mean, you know, OceanWise, the organization that I work with and, and a number of other organizations across the country, do a pretty darn good job of studying these fisheries uh, and trying to, you know, take into account many of the things that impact a fishery, the social aspects, 
is not something that we've been able to uh, really fully include in our recommendations or in the certifications of of fisheries and seafood, but there are organizations where that exists. It, you know, if you're a consumer in Canada and you live in Ontario or you live in, you know, Manitoba or Saskatchewan or British Columbia or Alberta or, you know, any of the 13 provinces and territories in this country, you will have access to seafood through a number of avenues. One, in a restaurant where we consume most of the seafood that we that we eat uh, or where we eat most of the seafood we consume, I should say. We don't cook a lot of fish at home. We can talk about that, but we don't have to. The other place, of course, is, is uh, in grocery stores. I would say often the best quality seafood in the grocery store <laughs> might even be frozen. So don't be afraid of frozen seafood because some days, some weeks, fish can spend quite a bit of time getting to the, the fresh seafood case, you know, from you know, Ned, we say the exact same thing about about fruits and vegetables. Is we seem to have this aversion to frozen. Nutritionally, it's just as good, and as you say, it can often be "quote unquote" fresher or safer, even if it's frozen rather than fresh. Yeah, well, I, I always challenge people to think of the frozen seafood aisle as uh, as one that you can rely on 365 days a year because. A fish that's harvested and processed and frozen within, uh, you know, the same day or, or, you know, often even hours. And with today's technologies and freezing, most of us wouldn't be able to tell the difference between quote unquote fresh and, and what we would call refreshed or what we think of as, as thawed. So yeah, I definitely think of the freezer as a, as a place to access high quality seafood. Look for ocean wise recommendations. Look for MSC, the Marine Stewardship Council certification of certain fisheries we we both sort of partner i think of, of them as my as my right arm and my left arm in my cookbook i call them the ocean guardians because i have a number of organizations that i rely on as a chef to give me the information i need to feel comfortable that i'm making the right decision trust the chefs that you dine with build those relationships you know with the restaurants and the, and the culinary community. I mean, we all have our favorite restaurants. Ask more questions of the service team or of the chefs if you're fortunate enough to to have that relationship. Not unlike asking questions of your of your fishmonger. You know what what should I be eating? You know, I always say to people, recipes are just guidelines. I'm just here to give you some ideas, some thoughts about what I like to cook and what pairs well with what. But you know. It's, in the summertime, I'm going to eat green and yellow things with, you know, halibut and wild salmon here on the West Coast. In the wintertime, I'm going to eat more root vegetables and sweet and sour flavors with, you know, maybe some more responsibly farmed fish because I might not have access to fresh wild seafood as much as I do, you know, during the fresh season that sort of runs from, you know, March through October and this in this country, or at least on the coast that I live in currently. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I hate to, to add more work to people's life, but ask a few more questions. And, you know, I think food, I mean, I've been cooking for 30 years. When I started cooking, dinner was eight ounces of beef tenderloin with mashed potatoes and overcooked asparagus. <laughs> yeah. That was center of the plate, as we called it, right, where the protein the animal protein was center of the plate. And I think it was big red tuna and 
Chilean sea bass was the fish of the day. Tuna steaks was, was all the rage and, and roasted Chilean sea bass. Now we know and have been taught and told, you know, real food heals. Let's eat some, some whole ingredients. Let's try and incorporate some of the other amazing flavors that come from around the world. I call my food globally inspired and locally created. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's not forget that some of, some of my favorite ingredients that I consume every day, coffee, chocolate, tea, lemon, sugar, vanilla, those things don't come from Canada. Let's continue to cherish the things that we love. I mean, I hate to use the, the terms in moderation, but eating local isn't going to solve all of our problems, but it's certainly going to, you know, connect you to your community in a way that I think often the benefits are, are tangible, but also not tangible, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I feel a, a real kinship to my local bakery, my local butcher shop, my local fishmonger. I, I look forward to visiting, you know, this farmer's markets in the winter and in the summer because it actually forces me to shift my diet. I can't wait to eat more cabbage and squash and, and root vegetables in the fall and winter. Yep. I sure don't. I don't eat those things in the summer because I'm eating gorgeous spring peas and fresh corn and stone fruit and you know, other delicious things. And, you know, even if you just cook seasonally, you're going to have a diverse diet, you know, and what I mean by seasonally is, you know, when wild salmon's in season, yep. you're going to be eating fresh, green, beautiful things. When, when wild salmon isn't in season, you know, maybe you're eating some farmed steelhead or farmed Arctic char or other tasty things or farmed shrimp for that matter. I mean, shrimp's the most consumed seafood in North America. We you know, we eat some sort of white fish, some sort of salmon, some sort of tuna, and by far the most consumed seafood in North America is shrimp. So let's eat beyond those four fish. You know, let's let's eat, let's eat up and down the food chain. Let's let's try new things. You know, I mean, chicken is chicken is chicken, beef is beef, pigs are pigs. They're all delicious, but you know, let's have dinner be more interesting. You know, let's have it be more delicious by incorporating other things. Uh, to me, I just think that that makes us more interesting consumers. Be a conscious consumer in the things that you're putting into your body. I promise you it will improve your wellness yep. and your health at the same time because there'll be a connection there. Yeah. And there are more Canadians spending more attention on what they're eating, where it's coming from, how it's produced, where it's produced, all of those things. And some people spend more time doing it. Other people spend less time doing it. It depends entirely on, you know, personal choices, personal perspectives. Again, if, if you don't want to make it this easy, and maybe it isn't this easy, I'm going to ask you just for the person who doesn't spend as much time thinking about it, are there three fish that we should be staying away from, notwithstanding we should be looking for the OceanWise certification, and maybe three species of fish that we can eat sustainably and many of us haven't considered or haven't thought about? Well, I mean, I have a really hard time because I'm an advocate for the ocean mm -hmm. and for the people that harvest the ocean and that farm the ocean. I feel, you know, at odds, you know, making a decision to, uh, to not support a certain species because not only am I not supporting a certain species, but I'm also not supporting 
a fisherman or a water farmer or a cultivator. I, I, I think we've all heard of some of the more challenging You know, if I'm on the Atlantic Ocean and I'm out with an Atlantic cod fisherman who is hand line harvesting, you know, an Atlantic cod, do you think I'm not going to consume that? Of course I am. You know, commercially, is that fishery healthy? Well, currently, no. It's, you know, it's rebounding slowly but surely, but gosh, it's been decades since we've not commercially harvested, you know, that species, that volume. And so we're doing ourselves a favor by hopefully allowing the fish to uh, slowly recover. And it's certainly a very complicated conversation within the ecosystem and within the fishery. Um, you know, Atlantic lobster, I mean, it's an iconic thing. I love eating lobster. Some of my signature dishes are lobster, but there's challenges surrounding northern right whales with the crab fisheries and the lobster fisheries. So, you know, it's complicated, right? It's complicated. Mm-hmm. I want to support yep. fishermen. Well, and and that's a fair response. Right. So I have a really hard time telling people not to eat something. Um, what I can do is... Yeah. Think about how it's produced. Think about how it's produced or how it's caught. Yeah. And no, and if you know the fishermen or you, if you're part of the community, wholeheartedly support it. You know, but if you just don't know and you're four or five steps rem- removed from the conversation... I bet you there's something that's in your own backyard that you, you know, would have more of a connection to. So I guess I would, I would sort of say that things that we should be eating more of. I mean, 10,000 edible plants in the ocean. So seaweeds and kelps and, and all kinds of different sea vegetables and sea greens, you know, try and incorporate some of those things into your diet. Certainly shellfish filter feeders. All they need to do is drink a healthy ocean and, you know, you're really tasting the marijuana of where that shellfish is harvested, whether it's East Coast or West Coast. I, I always say, Pete, if you know the fishermen, eat the fish. If you, okay, you know, because you're supporting that fisherman's livelihood and and his or her community. You know, and and that that thought process has shifted for me. I because if I was to go by OceanWise standards exclusively, we don't recommend Atlantic bluefin tuna. We don't recommend Atlantic cod currently, you know, other than a very small harvesting of some hand line cod from Pogo Island. The conversation is complicated. If you're a consumer, uh, look for the Oceanwise logo, look for the MSC certification, uh, know that we've put in the work, we've done the work, we're updating the work constantly. And, uh, you know, if you're really lucky and you know the fishermen, then you're even more fortunate. But seafood is complicated. It's it's very gray. It's not black and white. And I know sometimes that can be difficult for people. So they maybe end up choosing chicken because, <laughs> you know, they're just like, ah, I don't know what to do. And, yeah. you know, that that is not what I want people to do. I, I want people to eat more fish, but just know where it's from. If you don't have any care or, or uh, time to to dive, you know, fully into that conversation, look for the OceanWise logo, and you're doing yourself yep. a favor um, and making it simpler. Exactly. So I thought I only had one question left, but your your response to the last one raised one that that I thought about over the weekend a little bit. 
and it's the issue of plant life in the ocean as a source of nutrition for humans. And you said we should be eating more seaweeds and, and those sorts of things. Do, I mean, clearly there's some evidence that there's a lot of nutrition, a lot of high-value nutrition growing as plant life in the ocean. The question is, can we harvest it sustainably? Will we end up farming it? And can we do that in a way to maintain the vision of a healthy ocean? Well, you know, I would say, you know, do I want you to go and start cutting down kelp forests? Obviously not. You know, they're, <laughs> you know, they're habitat for uh, 37 species of rockfish here on the West Coast. So, And, and you know, among other uh, species that, that use the kelp forest to live and thrive and, and hide from predators, etc. We need kelp forests to thrive. We can harvest these perennials and annuals. They, you know, we can harvest them sustainably. But, you know, at this point, there is... There's actually some confusion over what government body those fall under. Is it is it fisheries or, or agriculture? <laughs> because not a fish, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, it just happens to live in the ocean. And so maybe it's uh, the Ministry of Ag. And there isn't regulations currently that, uh, that are airtight from coast to coast to coast. So what I would prefer you do is look for uh, again, ocean-wise recommended plants and seaweed. You know, it, we have actually recommended 100% of all nori that we consume in space as ocean-wise because it's farmed responsibly. Yeah. You know, there are, there is some some uh, seaweed farms here in Canada, you know, a couple on the East Coast, a couple on the West Coast that are farming small-scale numbers of it. it. It, of course, is something that we have, that we import as well. You know, all you got to do is listen to the Japanese and also the Irish, for that matter. You know, those two cultures have been consuming seaweed for you know generations, and uh, and it's a big part of their maybe not their daily, but certainly their weekly diet. Yeah. Because in North America we consume square chunks of flavorless protein in the middle of the plate. You know that we need to change the way we eat, not wholeheartedly, but we need to diversify. You know, it's. It's really shifting that meat and potatoes that we were all raised with, right? You know, that that center of the plate, eight ounces, is is just something I would love to see us, you know, change. Maybe it's four ounces of protein and two ounces of seaweed and, and an ounce of nuts and an ounce of legumes, like, you know, or pulses. I mean, you don't have to eat like that all the time. Every once in a while you want a big steak, I get it, or a big piece of fish, I get it. Um, but, you know, if we continue to consume the way we have, then we're, we're going to continue to run into some challenges. But, yeah, the ocean is an environment where plants and vegetables grow and thrive if the ocean is healthy. Look for more of those options and start teaching your children that, you know, seaweed isn't icky. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know what I mean? It actually can be quite delicious and make things absolutely spectacular. So Yeah. Encourage kids to explore and to and to taste different things. I think the variety we have is amazing and we should celebrate it. And like you say, we can eat seasonally and we have more choices and we can we can eat a nice steak on a barbecue on Saturday night, but we can eat yeah. a plant based protein on 
meatless Monday and just have some variety and and that it, that enriches our diet and makes us small steps right makes our diet more interesting in along with the other benefits well I listen I have three sons you know and one of them is has got an incredibly diverse diet and it's the middle boy who's 10 you know I can't force my children to eat you know, what their fancy father chef uh, wants to feed them. I, I present dinner. <laughs> I present dinner, and I have just the same challenges that every other parent in this country faces. My little boy, who, you know, I distinctly remember last year, he said to me, Daddy, why do lentils taste so bad? <laughs> and I chuckled to myself, and I thought, you know, here I am, fancy chef. Yeah. I can't even get my nine-year-old to eat lentils because he's just like, no thanks, you know. But then if I was to tell him that the his favorite cucumber or avocado roll at the sushi restaurant had seaweed in it, he'd probably freak out. But, you know, you don't tell him that and he's just eating it and he loves it, right? So we are creatures of habit. You know, we need to understand what we're consuming. Some of us love the familiar. Yeah, we're, we need to understand what we're consuming, and we don't need to be lied to, but we certainly need to uh, just unpack a little, you know, the details a little bit more and do ourselves some favors and, and just be a bit more diverse, which I think our culture is doing anyway. I mean, here in the West Coast, our yeah, the global influence in our food is significant. The same could be said for Toronto and probably, I mean, uh, you know, where you live in Guelph, I mean, Guelph has got an incredible food communities. There's some incredible food communities across this country, you know, dozens and dozens of them. They don't all have to be in big cities, you know. Our country was founded on the backs of, you know, immigrants, arguably as Canada anyway, the 12,000 years of First Nations people that have been conscious consumers long before us, they were leading the charge until we tried to come and impart our European sort of food, yep. you know, structure uh, we all know now that we do ourselves some favors and learn from our First Nations brothers and sisters and how they consume. I think we would all be a healthier human race, you know? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Ned, I've kept you longer than I promised, but I have one more question. I think many people would not know or not believe that more of ha more than half of the fish we see in the grocery store, I don't know if it's true in the restaurants as well, more than half of the fish we eat in the grocery store is farmed fish. And I know that there are some, I know OceanWise endorses, and I've heard you say, talk about farmed fish, but there are many people who have this perception of farmed fish as being bad. Is it also a complex problem that there are some forms of aquaculture that are really good and others that could improve their practices or or what is your perspective on that well you know you said we've run a little long here i mean that's the type of question that could keep me going for another half an hour to an hour but <laughs> aquaculture is you're right it's 50 percent of the seafood that we consume globally in 2018 was farmed by 2035 that'll be 65 percent so what does that say? Well, it says that consumption is going to increase, probably because more of us are going to be eating more seafood and because there'll be more humans. Also, because wild seafood will continue to be 
challenged. You know, we will continue to overfish species. There will continue to be species that collapse, you know, unfortunately. We need to responsibly raise fish, whether it's on land or in the ocean, whether it's the cultivation of shellfish, which is a form of farming, or the farming of finfish. Now, does that mean that all farmed fish is good? No, but it certainly doesn't mean that all farmed fish is a four-letter word. Yeah. And it certainly doesn't mean that all wild fish is good either. There's bad wild fish. It's complicated. And so this is why OceanWise exists, because we don't recommend all wild fish, and we don't recommend all farm fish. The ones that we do recommend, you can be sure, uh, you know, we have studied that fishery or that water farm to make sure that how they're raising that fish how healthy those fish are, what the impact on the local ecosystem is, you know, where they're accessing their feed from, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it, from OceanWise's point of view, we have five markers of sustainability for wild fish. In aquaculture, we have 10. Yeah. So it's more complicated than aquaculture because, you know, we're raising an animal, right? I mean, there's a moral responsibility to raise a healthy animal. It's the same with chickens or, or pigs or beef, you know, people that tell me they don't eat farmed fish, I say, well, that's your prerogative, but, you know, may I ask you a question? When's the last time you had wild chicken? Yeah. Like, we don't eat wild animals, right? We eat animals that are raised for our consumption. So, do I want to improve and do everything in my power to rebuild wild fisheries to the point of resilience and regeneration? Absolutely. That's full stop. But does that mean I can't and shouldn't dive just as deep into the space of aquaculture so I can understand the good and the bad of aquaculture. And, and also, I want to work with that industry to improve it from the inside, not to just attack it from the outside. You know, the, the environmental crusades that have existed for the last uh, number of decades that have really vilified aquaculture, I think, are, are often valid in some of their thoughts, but also slightly misguided, and maybe sometimes a little bit too black and white, you know? Like, there's good farmed Atlantic salmon. It just depends on where and how. There's also, you know, farmed salmon sites that shouldn't, you know, be allowed to continue to, to raise fish. There are diseases and concerns around animals and how we raise them and what they're being fed and how we're keeping them healthy. But there's the same things that exist in wild fisheries, you know? I mean, it is, uh, I hate to just sort of fall back on the, it's complicated, but it is complicated. And I, well, no, and, and, and Ned, you'll hear me say a lot of times that one of the problems we have, and it's not limited to food dialogues today. One of the problems we have is this absolutism is, is, it's binary, right? And the truth is many of these conversations are need to be nuanced and need to be informed. And there are not absolutes. There are degrees or, or nuances in there that we need to understand and we need to evaluate and we need to make our own choices. And so in the end, it's important that we all learn more and organizations like the Marine Stewardship Council and OceanWise can do a lot of the homework for us and help us make better choices. As you said right at the beginning, I thought it was interesting to say make, make better choices based on what we individually think 
sustainability means and and how we define it ourselves. So right. I think you've given us lots to think about. I appreciate you taking the time and a little more than I promised you. I've learned a lot, and I think people listening, whenever they listen to it, will uh, will appreciate it too. And I look forward to talking to you again. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you giving us an opportunity for this discussion. And what I can guarantee you is this: you know, the MSC started in '99, Oceanwise started in 2005. We've been farming fish since the days of the Romans and harvesting fish for just as long, you know, if not if not longer. This this is something that we need to focus on. But we're We've just dipped the toe in this ocean, and we need to continue to to dive in, support each other, and, and challenge each other to improve. Perfect. Thanks very much, Ned. Have a great day. As we wrap up another episode of Food Focus, I thought I would just take a quick moment to thank Molly Gallant, who really does the heavy lifting in producing this podcast. She does all the hard work. I get to have the interesting discussions. Thank Zachary Von Massow for the original music. Before we go, I'd like to remind you again about our foodfocusguelph.ca website. Check out our blog, updated at least weekly. Check out previous versions of the podcast. Check out our trends report and get in touch with us. Foodfocus at uoguelph.ca. We'd love to have you send us comments, ideas, suggestions, and just to interact and hear what you're thinking about. Finally, If you like the podcast, please take a moment to rate us wherever you get your podcast as this helps other people find us. So, thanks again. Hope you enjoyed it and looking forward to talking to you again soon. Bye-bye.